Welcome to NU Biz Talk, giving students and families information right from the source. On this week's episode, we have Dr. Sean Daly talking about the Farmer to Farmer Initiative, a USAID initiative to bring technology to the sales force of third world countries, as well as his experiences within Guyana and Rwanda. Alrighty, everyone, welcome back to this week's episode of NU Biz Talk. I'm your host, as always, JJ Shanks. And this week's episode is a little bit special. We're kind of diverting from our normal topics from areas of interest around campus to areas of interest around the world uh, that we ourselves are involved in. Um, and what better guest to have on our episode today than Dr. Sean Daly. How are you doing this morning? I'm great, JJ. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for coming on. Um, so today we are going to be talking about the Farmer to Farmer initiative. Now, um, as we, we were talking about it a little bit before, um, you said it was a culmination of about two to three years of work. Um, and you were, this summer in particular, you traveled down to Guyana and uh, Rwanda. Is that correct? That, that's right. Yeah. So would you like to talk a little bit about what the project is and kind of uh, what you did down there, I guess? Okay. Well, I guess first an introduction to the program. So <laughs> Farmer to Farmer is a particular project uh, funded by USAID, which is the United States Agency for International Development. Mm -hmm. So it is the formal uh, foreign aid program of the U.S. State Department. So the purpose of Farmer to Farmer is working with farmers, obviously, <laughs> to uh, move them along developmentally. It's purely a technology transfer program mm -hmm. that there's no financial, you know, there's no financial support. It's not about, uh, you know, providing financing. It's about helping, helping the, uh, the farmers or the co-ops or whoever we're working with to, to move forward in their economic development. And of course, in turn, move driving the country forward. Mm -hmm. Yes. So that's a very quite large initiative that you're taking a part in. Um, and I know uh, you are famously known for the as, as the professor that has traveled to about 90 percent of the world. So it's uh, very awesome that you kind of have the opportunity to go out and help out the less fortunate, especially with kind of, you know, introducing like technology to them as, as well. And again, you're also known as the professor that's very advanced in technology. Um, just a disclaimer, I'm in his marketing analytics class right now, and we are utilizing uh, AI uh, technology in the workspace. Uh, we are meeting in virtual reality uh, weekly, which is very fun. Um, although we had a little technical difficulties earlier this week, but we'll take care of that. Um, but yeah, no, it's a great. Um, how, how would you say is kind of the, I guess, the adoption of technology uh, in those parts of the world? I sort of have a twofold answer. <laughs> the first part may surprise people, mm -hmm. and maybe it won't surprise people like you and I who live in Niagara Falls. Right. Honestly, wireless and internet is better in much of the third world than it is <laughs> in Niagara Falls, New York. Right. Um, so, in that sense, that you know, you're talking about people who have a per capita income measured, you know, a thousand dollars, you know, two thousand dollars, but everybody has a phone mm -hmm. and everybody communicates through that technology. So they are very uh, uh, supple, you know, in, in 
organizing and utilizing the phone and everything that goes on through the phone. Mm -hmm. Having said that, things like you just brought up about uh, uh, AI, mm -hmm. um, that's very much more spotty. Mm -hmm. um, certainly, um, you know, there are, th there are people, for instance, one of my uh, good contacts in Rwanda, um, she runs a management consultancy, mm -hmm. and it's the classic. You know, you're you're on the twentieth floor of a you know of a high rise, and it looks just like a management consultancy with the desks and all the activity anywhere in in the first world. You know, in North America. Um, so she and her people really have taken to Claude, taken mm -hmm. to ChatGPT. Mm -hmm. So. But when you go, of course, out into the countryside, I mean, computers become more scarce. Mm -hmm. um, sort of the uh, underlying uh, infrastructure educationally starts going away. Right. So, yeah, I would say that that's a more hit and miss kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. For, definitely. Um, it's almost like an unconscious bias for a lot of people to think like, Oh, they probably know nothing about this. They don't have phones down there. But I mean, as you stated, and as the world has proved us wrong, like, no, I mean, they fully adopted technology for the most part. And just like any other part of the world, um, in like, very, again, like in more populated population dense areas, um, they're going to be having like the same things as we have. So like, it's not really different. It's just, you know, how, how they come about things. And that's why we have things like the farmer to farmer initiative, um, to kind of help them out and get them on the right track per se. Um, and then speaking of which, um, how, um, how successful has it been, I guess, in your eyes or, uh, how is, how, uh, have you seen any of the, I guess, outcomes of the help or the initiative? Okay. Well, I think first before I should probably say we, we, we wandered off into, 2023 technology, which mm -hmm. really, quite frankly, isn't the uh, the focus of the work I've been doing. I mean, it certainly is on, I don't want to say the fringes, but it's certainly, uh, you know, not the focus. Right. So the focus of farmer to farmer, when I say technology transfer, maybe a, a more apt term would be knowledge transfer. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, other people that have been there when I've been there, you know, there's been veterinarians talking about, you know, pork and pig production and, and pineapple farmers, <laughs> you know, trying to help the people uh, grow pineapple more efficiently. Right. So, so for me as a marketing professor, as a business professor, as you can imagine, mm -hmm. my work has predominantly been in business areas. So um, to take uh, first uh, Guyana, um, I've been there twice and almost a year apart. So <laughs> that's the place that I can answer your question about <laughs> outcomes mm -hmm. and change more directly because right. of the time. So... I worked predominantly with two entrepreneurs who are at a certain stage of development where learning about modern retailing and modern marketing, learning about uh, 
you know, how markets work and the things like you and I talk about in glass, mm -hmm. uh, they really don't have exposure to. Right. So uh, the object here to return to farmer to farmer and USAID is, you know, the kind of knowledge we're talking about that is sort of maybe advanced marketing students, MBAs like that really right. isn't readily available in rural Guyana or in rural Rwanda. Mm -hmm. So um, working with people who've already achieved a certain scale that they're making, you know, their product, these are both fruit processors and fruit juice manufacturers. So mm -hmm. they're already making hundreds of gallons a week. Right. Okay. What my knowledge and your knowledge, frankly, mm -hmm. JJ, mm -hmm. um, is then able to help them move to the next level mm -hmm. because it's really embarrassing to be in Guyana in the grocery store. Right. You are in a tropical country. They import almost all their tropical fruit juice. Wow. That's that's almost surprising to me. <laughs> yeah, it's surprising to everybody. That's crazy. And the reason is that, um, you know, if you think about what your grocery store shelf looks like <laughs> in, you know, in Western New York, it's packaged goods, right? Mm -hmm. So that's all this about accelerate, you know, it's about shel long shelf life, mm -hmm. right? Well, there's a whole bunch of processing technology, quality control, all kinds of sort of uh, manufacturing uh, development and product development to get them to the point to move from fresh and frozen fruit juice mm -hmm. to long shelf life packaged goods. Right. And then, of course to speak about the country, then the local manufacturers can drive the imports off the shelf. It's an import uh, substitution, you know, mm -hmm. idea. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's like, like you said, it's pretty much what we're learning right now. And like our, our knowledge of, uh, I guess the sales force and doing sales and like grocery stores, just anywhere really. Um, so it's literally real world applications of it. Yeah, I can I can give you you know a very specific example, but I know that I wind up talking about it in class you yeah. know almost every semester. Right. Um, so I took one of these entrepreneurs, or I should actually say the other way around. He took me mm -hmm. on a tour through um, his various um, uh, vendors. Mm -hmm. So some of them were mom and pop, you know, kind of kiosk on the street. But several were really modern, 21st century, big gross, you know, big box grocery, you know, right. Wegmans, Tops, you know, very looking like that. Mm -hmm. And so we started having a conversation about shelf allowance, mm -hmm. right? And shelf placement and, you know, how uh, cooperative advertising works, <laughs> and, you know. And I'm like, you have to pay them for this. Right. And he's like, what? That doesn't exist in or in Guyana and I'm like yeah it does and he's like no it isn't so I'm like doing over the course of an entire day an on again off again kind of training session mm -hmm. about you know how the whole retail space works right so we get to the end of the day 
And our, our last meeting of the day is with the store manager of really the largest store in the largest chain in Guyana, grocery mm. chain. So it's the eldest son of the family that owns this big chain. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the young man, he's, I don't know, early 30s or something. Sorry, that's young to me. Yeah, okay. that's, that's so, still kind of young. <laughs> so he's in his early 30s. And, you know, I just sort of opened the door to him talking about this. And he proceeds for like 10 or 15 minutes to say everything that I just said <laughs> in the last couple hours. And, and so, you know, it's like, okay. And we walk out. And so I should say, that, so, so we, we can talk about him. He's the juice man, the, the, uh, the, the entrepreneur. Everybody calls him the juice man. He's, you know, his good friends, his good friends, he's juice, juice, right? But so it's whether you're one name or two. So uh, we walk out and I said, so what do you think, juice? And he's like, I had no idea. I had no idea that any of this was going on. And he goes, you know, I always wondered how I had the, you know, I was in the worst places in the store. I, you know, they didn't stock my product. He goes, I always had to go and make sure I would bring stuff and put it on the shelf, you know? And he's like, oh, well, now I get it. Mm -hmm. So that's a great example of us, you know, we're there and talking about things that seem almost routine or, 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 or obvious to us Mm -hmm. haven't been introduced in these, you know, early development countries. Yeah. It's very, yeah, it's very interesting. It's a very, it's a, that's kind of a good story to, to discuss that that sort of topic because again that's literally what we're learning and like it's it's like they're almost trying to learn it too but they and they need to (laughs) so it's yeah um and i guess to kind of segue into a shameless plug for niagara university um you like i said you learn all this stuff in marketing you learn all this stuff through the college of business um we get like Professors like Dr. Daly, pretty much almost everyone I know in the marketing department has real world experience um, domestically or internationally. Um, so you definitely get hands on and like great advice and like great, I guess, I literally teaching <laughs> to to uh, get yourself out there in the real world. Um, so I guess my final question would be, um, how would a... Uh, how would a student in Niagara uh, be able to get involved in a project like this? Well, we did actually really try to work pretty hard at this in mm-hmm. in Guyana mm-hmm. because um, the the folks that run the Guyana I, uh, part of the project i guess i should back up and say the farmer to farmer project is run by different ngos around the world so in rwanda it was catholic relief services which is an enormous you know global operation Mm -hmm. Uh, in guyana it's partners of the americas which is a much smaller but still they run various programs across well obviously in the in the americas Mm -hmm. and so um Partners said, Partners of the Americas said, you know, we we have the space and the um, history of having people bring students mm. to 
um, you know, work with projects. And so I put out a call. They said, we tend to take graduate students. So mm -hmm. I put out a call to um, the MBA students. Mm -hmm. And um, really only one person responded. Mm -hmm. And so we worked with that. And it, and it wound up that it just didn't work because the, of the funding. It, mm. It's on a five-year cycle, and the five-year cycle was ending, and they didn't have much money left and everything. Mm. So yeah. <laughs> um, it didn't happen, but I fully expect to be trying to, you know, do that again, mm -hmm. you know. So um, there is some opening for uh, students to go. I don't think we said anywhere along the way, these uh, trips tend to be two to three weeks. Mm -hmm. That's sort of the, you know, so it's, it is in the normal range of what we call it and you, you know, normal um, short-term study abroad, right. you know, so two to three weeks people can, can kind of get away for. So I think that once the once the United States Congress gets budgets and yeah. you know we get back into the normal flow, so all the farmer to farmer is dead until you know until the budgets get worked out right. in Washington. But I do think that will happen. Mm -hmm. um, but I would say that we're also working on a course driven study abroad mm. to Rwanda. Wow. So that is scheduled for January of 25. Mm -hmm. So that would be a course in the fall 24 semester. Mm, I see. So while to, now January 2025 sounds so far away, <laughs> right. we'll be registering for <laughs> fall in March. Yeah. Yeah. So that's only, you know, like four months away or that something. Is, that is crazy. So uh, we've been talking about Guyana up till now, but mm -hmm. I do really want to talk about Rwanda for a minute. Mm -hmm. um, whereas Guyana is a bit rougher, a bit more undeveloped, a bit more difficult to visit in many ways. Mm -hmm. Rwanda, on the other hand, is is the hidden jewel of Africa. Mm. Um, somebody told me, and I think it's very apt, Rwanda is a piece of Ireland <laughs> in Africa. Wow. Rolling hills, the, the motto of the country is the land of a thousand hills. Wow. So it's actually bigger than and then being in Ireland, you know, mm -hmm. there are real mountains, you know, 10,000 feet and everything. But it is verdant green, and because of the altitude, um, it's uh, most of the country is seven, 8,000 feet. Mm -hmm. It's equatorial. Mm -hmm. High is about 80, low is about 60 oh. all year round. Wow. Yeah. So that, but it is the cleanest safest place in africa wow yeah who <laughs> knew i mean i didn't know before i went and so you can go online for instance to go back to the state department mm -hmm. the state department has a four level uh rating of safety and security mm -hmm. so four is don't go yeah okay don't go three is eh, only go if you have to mm -hmm. lots of countries are two you know 
kind of mind yourself. There is crime. There is a bunch of stuff, right. you know. And then finally, you get to ones which are like North America, Western Europe, whatever. Rwanda is the only level one in Africa. Wow, the only level one country in Africa. That is. Um, I've you know I was there for three weeks in April, and morning, noon, and night, rural city, you're safe <laughs> everywhere. It is. It is just phenomenal, and it is so clean. For example, the country has a nationwide ban on plastic bags. Wow. Huh. That's awesome. You don't see litter anywhere. Mm. It, it, it is just, you know, I, I, as I was leaving and, and, you know, in the Farmer to Farmer program, it tends to happen in waves. So you're there with several other people, mm-hmm. at least, you know, like in the capital, you do stuff, you get orientation and training, then everyone goes off right. and they come back at the end, you do debriefing and stuff. So I'm there at the end, and I'm talking to several of the farmer-to-farmer people like me, mm-hmm. and I made the comment. I said, this place, Rwanda, is the most civilized place, you know, civilized developing country in the world. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, the woman I was sitting across from, she goes, oh, no, this is the most civilized place on earth. <laughs> wow. Yeah. She's, she's got a point. Yeah. So... Um, <laughs> The the country um, has, you know, of course, its terrible history with mm-hmm. the genocide in right. 1994. Um, the president of the country is the man who ended the genocide mm-hmm. in 1994. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no question that he's become a dictator, mm. but he is a very benevolent and popular dictator. Well, that's good. Okay, he he routine there is it is democracy. Yeah. He routinely wins 70-80% of the vote. Mm. I mean, what's not to like in a poor desperately poor place where the infrastructure works, mm. the courts work. We got pulled over by the police. <laughs> okay? It was a it was a stop just like any stop in Western New York. Mm-hmm. Can I see your driver's license and your insurance? I was like, okay, here. And so that was it. And so he walked off. Well, if 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 anyone in the audience or have read or is used to this, if you get pulled over in a third world country, you you're three minutes from a bribe right <laughs> yeah. you know no and and so not in rwanda mm-hmm. they were doing an insurance stop mm. they said people drive without insurance sound like western new york right yeah. you know people drive without insurance that's all they were doing mm. and they said no you don't have to pay off the police you don't have to pay off the courts you don't have to you know all this so um it is clean it is safe it is beautiful. The people are just tremendous. Um, I'll tell you, it's sort of a funny kind of story, you know, pe- for people like us to go to Western New York. Mm-hmm. So um, they have no um, history of slavery in the country. Oh, wow. Not just um, white people owning black people. But black people owning black people didn't exist. Mm. And so um, whenever school children see you, 
The word in Kinyarwanda, the local language, is Mzungu. Mzungu. <laughs> That's white man. Uh-huh. <laughs> so these little kids, Mzungu, Mzungu, and they're waving and yelling and screaming. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, you have such, <laughs> such a welcome because they know you're there to help. They know that you're there to, you know, work with them. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful and safe. So that is the plan, you mm-hmm. know. So January 25, look for it. You know, we've started publicizing it. But, uh, you know, in your in March, when you're registering for fall, think about going to beautiful Rwanda mm-hmm. in early 25. Yeah. Undergrads, be on the lookout for that information. Uh, I'm sure it'll be coming soon, if not already. Um, but, yeah, thank you very much, Dr. Daly, for coming on. It was a pleasure to have you. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It's <laughs> always fun to talk about this stuff. Absolutely. We'll see you guys soon. Hey guys, once again, thank you guys for listening to this week's episode of NU Biz Talk. You can find us on all your favorite listening platforms as well as on Instagram at NU Biz Talk, all lowercase no spaces. Once again, that is NU Biz Talk. And yeah, thank you guys. We'll see you guys in the next episode.